The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 578 for July 9th, 2017. T-Mobile raises the price of its unlimited data plan, rumors continue about the next iPhone, and a $1,600 Android handset. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. First up in the news, Samsung's new semiconductor fabrication line in Korea has kicked off production of memory products and is shipping its first batch of modules to customers. Samsung broke ground on the new plant two years ago to help expand its production capabilities of its VNAN chips, and the company has invested about $13 billion in the plant, and it said it will push another $18 billion into the city of Piontech to ensure the facility can meet future demand for memory products. Samsung's memory chips are used by other manufacturers and devices such as smartphones and tablets. Samsung also plans to improve its manufacturing capabilities across a number of other business lines, including semiconductors, extreme ultraviolet equipment, and OLED displays. Qualcomm this week launching major new patent disputes with Apple. They said in a filing uh, with the International Trade Commission for the U.S. that they are seeking to block the importation of iPhones that infringe on six Qualcomm patents loosely related to power efficiency. As Qualcomm's powered iPhones are covered by a patent licensing deal, the complaint only covers iPhones powered by the Intel modem chipsets. Qualcomm is also seeking to bar sales of already imported phones and is filing suit in California courts on the same matter. They are seeking damages and injunctive relief and say the six patents at issue are not considered standards essential. The patents were issued in the last four years and cover a variety of technologies, including varying antenna power, the efficiency of connecting circuits at different voltages, and another one for flashless boot of the device to an internet-connected state. The ITC case will likely be tried in 2018. Right, so the chances of iPhones being blocked are pretty slim here with this one. Yeah, there's there's almost zero chance that that's actually going to happen, but that certainly comes as one of the remedies that they ask for in any of these things. And so ultimately, this will get played out, and we will hear some, I'm sure, uh, you know, arbitration that will go through with this, and then there'll be a settlement that will come through at the very end on what ultimately happens. But don't expect too much to happen. We'll get our new iPhones later this year. T-Mobile just raised the price of its T-Mobile One Plus Unlimited data plan by five dollars, now making the add-on to the company's base one unlimited plan $10 extra per month. That fee is on top of the $70 per month price for a single line of the OnePlus cost, making the total $80 a month instead of the previous $75 monthly fee. OnePlus adds unlimited HD video streaming instead of throttling at 480p resolution, as well as adding unlimited mobile hotspot use, the first gigs, uh, first 10 gigs, that is, being at uh, LTE speeds and then throttled back to a 256K. There's also free in-flight Wi-Fi from GoGo for the entirety of the flight and faster international data at that same roughly 256 kilobit per second instead of the 128 kilobits at the regular one plan. Now, Business Insider has also reported that a T-Mobile spokesperson has said that the price increase is due simply to the fact that they have ended a promotional period on that prior plan. Customers already who subscribe 
to that T-Mobile One Plus plan at the old price will be grandfathered in and we'll be able to continue paying the lower rate. The new $80 per month price point on the One Plus plan now matches Verizon's unlimited plan with similar HD video and tethering perks. AT&T's full unlimited plan is still the most expensive, coming in at $90 a month for a single line. In device news, Bloomberg this week reporting that Apple is currently testing 3D facial detection as a replacement for Touch ID fingerprint authentication. The report also believes that new iPhones could include the ProMotion increased refresh rate on displays that is seen in the new iPad Pros, as well as uh, in the dedicated Apple Neural Engine chip for handling AI. With the iPhone 8 expected to feature a dramatically redesigned bezel, analysts have made predictions on where the Touch ID would go, including within the display as Qualcomm has recently displayed, as well as possibly on the backside of the iPhone and also potentially in the power switch. Bloomberg has reported that the new face detection feature could replace Touch ID completely, including for unlocking devices and authorizing payments. According to the report, they said Apple is testing an improved security system that allows users to log in, authenticate payments, and launch secure apps by scanning their face, according to people familiar with the product. This is powered by the new 3D sensor, added the people, who said uh, that they would uh, also not be discussing any other portions of the technology, which is still in development. The company is also testing eye scanning to augment the system, one of the people said. Now, Cage Guy Securities analyst Ming-Chi Ku, who has released a report on the feature, is also claiming that the iPhone 8 will use facial detection to replace the Touch ID functionality. The reports are the first that we've seen to make that claim that also they may feature this ProMotion display technology that was first introduced in those iPads. Uh, Also, the report cites a new dedicated chip internally referred to as the Apple Neural Engine that will help drive that ProMotion display. And Ku also believes that the, while the iPhone 8 will include the embedded uh, USB-C power delivery for higher efficiency charging, it will continue to ship with the same 5-watt power adapter equipped with a USB-A port that is included with today's iPhones. So USB-A to lightning cables will also be included as the standard accessory, and that deviates from the prediction made by Barclays, who said last week that the iPhone 8 would become come bundled with a 10-watt power adapter, including a USB-C connector. Ku's final prediction has to do with the RAM and the new devices. He said that the 4.7-inch iPhone 7S would include 2 gigs of RAM, while the 5.8-inch OLED iPhone 8 with a 5 and also 5.5-inch iPhone 7S Plus would include a 3 gig of RAM configuration. Uh, now, it's, up, of course, a lot of uh, speculation here as far as what is exactly going to happen with this, but uh, potentially offering up significantly improved performance with those higher RAM numbers. Another uh, detail about the new iPhone 8 would be uh, that a new premium OLED display would ship with that device, and also there would be fewer colors, potentially only one to two colors, uh, than you get with the existing iPhones that are shipping today. So a lot of potential things that could be happening here, and this always comes out about this time, just a few months before the actual announcement happens for these. And of course, take them all with a grain of salt as they are indeed rumors at this point. Right. Uh, however, we have been seeing kind of a, a confluence of rumors here where you know we really kind of think there may not be a home button on this uh, uh, new larger iPhone. I do not believe there's going to be an iPhone 7S Plus to go along with this, whatever this new model is going to be called of the iPhone. I don't know if I'd call it the iPhone Pro, but something along those lines. I mean, maybe they'll call it the 8, but I, I just don't understand they'll have an iPhone 7S and an iPhone 8. So that seems weird to me. So I don't know if they're going to be an iPhone 8 and an iPhone uh, 8 Plus or or what the deal is going to be. But, you know, the, the rumors really are shaping up that the 4.7-inch model 
will be an S model of our current iPhone 7. It does not, you know, nothing have, we've seen nothing that indicates we're going to have a, you know, completely, you know, bezel-less or redesigned OLED 4.7 inch screen. It's only going to be this big device. So that's going to be uh, interesting to see what Apple decides to do with that. I think there's still the potential that they could have three devices, but what I'm struggling with is do you still have an SE model within that kind of range? Because to take what's there today, which is SE, I'll just say regular iPhone and then the plus model of the iPhone and then go to SE and whether or not that actually gets, you know, uh, updated at all is a whole nother question. So to have that plus then a normal iPhone S and then the plus model S and then I'll call it the next model, the eight, you know, that, that just doesn't seem like something that they're going to do. So I think something has to give somewhere in there. And it, to your point, it just seems very weird that they would do 7s 7s plus and then iphone 8 all in the same year something is is going to change in there with maybe the you know the naming conventions uh, to make it a little bit different than what we have today yeah well having a 5.8 and a 5.5 inch screen that doesn't make a lot of sense to me to have you because those are almost the same size so i it's really that and they're going to keep the se they won't update it uh of course in the fall here it'll be updated next spring if they're going to update it in this year cycle. They may wait another entire year to update it because it is the 6S internal. So it's doing okay and it is a lower price point, but I, I do believe they'll actually update that one eventually. But uh, one other thing that, you know, to just kind of thinking about feature wise here, uh, a lot of people think, well, you know, Apple has been rumored to remove the home button here for many years. And uh, even in iOS uh, 11 or maybe even 10, I think it started, there's a, a home button, virtual home button you can actually have now uh, that 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 you can kind of move around the screen even. So you don't actually need a physical button anymore with iOS. So uh, it sounds like they've got support in for it now for a virtual button, kind of like what Android's had for years. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the button goes away. And that's actually been in the accessibility menu for quite some time. Um, it's actually for, for a number of years. And um, I, I used it at one point um, to help somebody out whose home button had actually broken and I was able to add it in. And it's, it's so it is it has been there for a while. Um, every once in a while, I see somebody using it. But the question I had for you was, so having used the iPhone 7 for a period of time and now switching over to an SE, do you find that uh, going from the, you know, I'll, I'll just say the, um, you know, the, the home button styling of the iPhone 7 back to a regular button in the SE has, uh, ha- has had any impact at all? And do you think that this is something that they should continue going with? I mean, obviously, they're not going to go backwards and put a button back onto it, but any, any feelings on, on that and having to make that switch back? Yeah. Uh, so one thing for me, because I use the iPad very heavily, now the iPhone SE button matches the iPad and, and even the brand new iPad Pro uh, 10.5. They did not put in the force touch uh, you know, sensor in there with the Taptic engine. So none of that exists in the iPad Pro. So it's a standard button, just like you know the uh, iPhone 6S and the iPhone SE. So I'm actually glad to be consistent now with the devices and the buttons. Okay, so yeah, obviously that feature parity is, you know, is a for someone who uses multiple iOS devices, it is a nice thing. I, I totally get that, and you don't have the the force touch then as well with your uh, either device with either device. So yeah, that's consistent as well too. So um, it, it's a it, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about because if you're using the you know using the device on a regular basis and you're you know trying to kind of re- or both of them, I should say, you're trying to remember what's what. It's it, it's can be a little bit funky, but anyway, uh, lo- again, lots of rumors here, lots of things that we 
we may or may not see. And ultimately, it's a it's a matter of time and, you know, things will continue to shake out and we'll start to see some of these things line up. And so that hence the reason we talked about a lot of them today is because there were a number of things that kind of came out from uh, a number of different sources that are starting to line up. So we'll uh, we'll keep following these and talk about them as they continue to solidify. Samsung has brought the Galaxy Note 7 back. It is now called the Note 7 Fan Edition. Of course, the Note 7, infamous for its battery problems for smoke and fires. Samsung forced to recall the phone, later determined to have two separate flaws that impacted that battery, one pertaining to the design, the other to the manufacturing. Samsung has taken the recalled devices to create a new handset with a smaller 3200 milliamp hour battery and its latest software, including the new Bixby Voice Assistant. They're manufacturing only 400,000 of them, and they will be sold exclusively in the home market of South Korea. Red, a company known for its high-end professional video cameras this week, announcing its entry into the phone space with the Hydrogen One. This is a high-end Android phone with a 5.7-inch uh, holographic display promising glasses-free 3D. While the uh, display supports traditional stereo 3D, uh, along with a 3D-like holographic technology created by RED called Halogen 4 View, or H4V, the phone body supports RED's distinctive industrial design coming in either aluminum or titanium. It will support snap-on modules for shooting both high-resolution video and H4V content. It will also integrate with other RED products serving as a touchscreen controller and monitor for RED cameras. The phone also has USB-C and micro SD memory card slots. Uh, it will sub- ship in early 2018 and can be pre-ordered in a uh, limited time uh, f- right now for $1,195 or the titanium version Now, I like titanium as much as the next person, but to me, $1,600 for a smartphone is really the price of two of today's high-end premium phones. I just don't know that they're going to sell a whole lot of these things. Especially with a company that's kind of unproven for smartphone technology. Obviously, they make great cameras, but this is not uh, something they normally do. So I, I, of course, would be very hesitant to drop that kind of money on a completely brand new, completely unproven design. As I imagine, the majority of people will be, and that hesitancy will cause a limited number of sales. However, very interesting uh, in their support uh, of uh, you know what they're doing here with the Android ecosystem. And so uh, it is always fun to talk about these kind of one-off things that uh, cater to a particular niche. HMD Global Thursday announcing a new partnership that will see Zeiss return to Nokia-branded handsets. HMD Global is the world's exclusive licensee for the Nokia brand. And earlier this year, they released a trio of Android-based handsets. The rekindled relationship with Zeiss will see the two companies working together to improve the imaging capabilities and and optics within Nokia's phones. HMD did not say when it might be bringing those Zeiss-equipped phones with the new optics uh, to phones on the market. One story in software news, Google on Thursday added a tool to its Google Maps that makes it easier for people to add details regarding accessibility. The Google Maps app for Android allows people to add this data via the Your Contributions section by tapping Uncover Missing Info. Sorting options under the heading include accessibility, where people can add details as to whether or not locations have wheelchair accessible entrances, wheelchair accessible elevators, accessible seating, and accessible parking. Then once this data is entered into the location details, both Maps users on both the desktop and mobile devices will be able to discover it in the description data about the places. Google said contributors have also supplied accessibility information about some 7 million locations around the world, and it hopes the new tool will expand the data resource dramatically. 
one comment for us this week, and it comes to us from Michael. He says, Mickey and Joey, a couple of comments here. Show 577 was a great show, although Mickey was a little bit fussy about his roaming, his connection speeds, and the battery drain. Hopefully, Mickey, you weren't charged for roaming on top of this aggravation. No, Mickey wasn't charged for that aggravation. But, you know, it's one thing when you're in the midst of traveling and you've got, uh, you know, stuff going on and you're trying to navigate to different places. It's frustrating that you have to deal with those kind of issues. And, and of course, when you think I can travel the, the entire globe for free with, you know, no roaming charges at, a, you know, 128, which is a decent speed why you only have a hundred megabytes domestically. So that, that, that kind of thing is just frustrating. Yeah. It's, it's that data cap that, that was the, really the, the biggest thing that was, that was kind of aggravating me. So regardless, you know, we're talking about the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, and you know, you, the, the kind of follow-up comment that Michael had was what do you expect? And I, it's 2017. I expect my coverage to be virtually everywhere as it is in the other 140 countries that I can use my phone in and not have to pay for it. Right. But T-Mobile is, uh, you know, a GSM carrier, which, you know, historically has not had the same kind of coverage that uh, uh, Verizon has had, which, of course, Sprint would usually roam onto Verizon for at least voice coverage and uh, some very limited, uh, you know, like one XR TT data, you know, way back. But uh, I agree with you there, Mickey. I mean, you had voice coverage with AT&T, but not native uh, T-Mobile service. But of course, as we've talked about for years and years now, a T-Mobile you know, does not have the same uh, rural footprint that it does uh, in the, the major cities. And I guess, you know, if you if you kind of use this service in any sort of capacity on a regular basis outside of the areas that you have native service, then it's just probably not going to be for you. And I get that. Like that was, that was, I, I came to that conclusion when I was using it as well. It was the, my whole analogy of, you know, the sports car. Like if you happen to be somebody who spends a lot of time driving around in the country, you probably shouldn't have a sports car as your main vehicle when you're driving around on bumpy dirt roads, as an example. So uh, I, I, I totally get that. But at the same time, I also expect to have my coverage, you know, virtually everywhere. And this was just, it, it was a pain point. So moving on, uh, Michael says, I laughed at the idea of the lines of city slickers guided by Waze or Google Maps heading out into the low population areas looking for the path of totality for the solar eclipse and then being lost and unable to find their way home when the cell towers get overwhelmed as it was time to go. I also wasn't sure that the path of totality was even a real thing. And then I Googled it. And it sounds like from something from a Lego movie where the path of totality leads to the think tank where Lord Business keeps the sword of exact zero. Anyway, I love the recommendation that people should rent a satellite phone to stay connected during the eclipse. Is that really a possibility? And where would you even find one? Is it a camping thing? Uh, that would explain my ignorance. I don't camp. Uh, I also have to comment about the sound quality in show 577. I couldn't really hear too much of a difference uh, in the recording on Joey's equipment versus both of yours cross country with one notable exception. Mickey sounded pretty similar, but Joey's voice sounded straight from the heavens. Zero static or distortion. The sound quality was particularly exceptional. Any chance that there was a change in the equipment? Anyway, great to hear you guys working together on the show in person. You should do it more often. Thanks for the great shows and for all your hard work, Michael. So for my sound quality in that one, it was actually a, a, a spare mic that I have. It's a much cheaper microphone, so it has less low-end response. So uh, it's it, it, essentially it's more bassy, my normal sound, and Mickey's as well. So I tried to kind of match his sound uh, with the setup that we had. 
Yeah, and so I guess the question really is uh, for not just Michael, but any of you listening out there, would love if would you know to hear from you if you thought that the sound was any different or any better or worse uh, on last week's show versus now, and most specifically about that um, that you would have uh, as Joey just mentioned is the bass level. The bass level that we have right now, uh, we mix the tracks together uh, that we do cross country, and then there's some post processing editing that happens. Uh, and some bass that gets added in. And that's just to help kind of normalize and kind of levelate things. And so if there is, if you have comments on, on if it's too much bass or if the bass that you're hearing is, you know, kind of normal or have you even ever thought about this, we'd love to hear from you. So please give us any feedback that you have on, on what you're hearing from us. Right. And then, of course, uh, going back to the satellite phone, uh, I'm sure there's rental places for them. I, there looks like there's a lot. I just did a quick Google search for it. Um, but it's it, it, it could be a camping thing, especially if you're camping in super duper remote areas. Uh, it's usually more so for people that go into places that are, you know, like the North Pole and, and, and really, really remote places where there are no cell phone coverages and you need to still stay in voice contact. And I would imagine that there's going to be very few people like it seems like maybe in the dozens that are actually going to rent a phone before going in these places like out to do this right you're just if you're somebody who's thinking about going to follow a solar eclipse it doesn't seem like the next thought that you're going to have is going and renting a satellite phone you're just you're just going to take your regular phone and you're going to take that with you and you're going to be just fine and you're not going to worry about it well, and maybe with the news reports and, of course, the reports that the that they were going to deploy some uh, cows out there, maybe it uh, will be fine. Well, they're going to have plenty of milk and cheese. So at the very least, they've got they've got that going for them with the cows, Joey, and the milk and uh-huh. cheese. OK, the cows. Yep. If you have any questions or comments for us, we'd love to hear from you. Questions at the cell phone junkie dot com is our email address. Phone number six, five, zero, nine, nine, nine. 0524. I'll stop telling jokes. I'm not very good at it. We'd love to hear from you if you have anything you have to say, and uh, we'll get him on one of the future shows that we have. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.